Say hello to the future of collecting. From eBay, the original collectibles marketplace comes the eBay Vault, a new home for the hobby. We protect your trading card collection so you don't have to. The eBay Vault. Buy, sell, secure. Welcome to Making Bread, making money in the modern age. Now, here's your host, Matt Barkley. Welcome back, everybody, to Making Bread, where we talk about all the new ways to make money using the technology of 2022. I'm your host, NFL quarterback, Matt Barkley. My guest today is Bob Means. Bob is the director of trading cards at eBay, making him quite the perfect guest for uh, this podcast, talking about sports and making money. So we're going to talk about how eBay revolutionized both the way that we shop and the way we sell. What's next for eBay in the trading card world? Welcome to the show, Bob. It's good to have you. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. This is great. Were you a card collector as a kid? Tell me a little bit about your your childhood and, and card collecting. I have probably one of the most common stories out there, which is... No, don't mention a shoebox. Yeah, yeah. had a ton of cards... <laughs> And who knows what happened to them. I was a big baseball card collector back in the day. We used to put them on like our forks on our bikes. So they, the bike would make motorcycle sounds. And I, and I cringe just thinking about some of the cards that I yes. absolutely murdered. Oh, yeah. So yeah, sports trading cards. I also had garbage pail kids back in the day. Those were like illegal to bring onto the school ground. And those are worth quite a bit now. So if I could have had some foresight and not only put those in the shoebox, but hid the shoebox from my mom, I'd probably be in good shape right now. But I hear this story all the time. I mean, so many of us grew up with uh, these collectible items and so many of us just lost track of them at some point, moving around, whatever it is that you're doing. I'm always sort of amazed when I see the older, more vintage cards in perfect condition because I, I want to know the story of how that person, that original person, had the foresight to just baby it back in the day. Yeah, because as a kid, you're you're a fan and you want to collect your favorite players. You're not thinking about the cost it's going to be in 25 years, right? And because I, I remember collecting, I like, had like a Chipper Jones card because I played. I think it was third base at the time, and I loved the <laughs> the Braves. I'm like, oh, this is the best card ever, purely because he was one of my favorite players at the time. Not thinking you know, the big picture of, of trading cards. So it is always impressive to see kind of those mint cards come out of the blue or, yeah. uh, you know, someone's kept them for so long. It's actually good for the hobby that most of us destroyed our cards because that creates the scarcity that drives the value of the card too. So it does. the fact that, you know, you were flicking them around trying to pretend they're throwing stars and all that kind of stuff when you're a kid is, is actually good today. But it's also why, you know, the further you go back, the harder it is to find some of these cards in, in great condition. But the same things for comic books, too. Like, I think about all the comic books I had when I was a kid and movie posters and even T-shirts and just anything that was symbolic of the time. We see it in toys, not to date myself, but I was there when the first Star Wars movie came out and I had some of those Star Wars toys. But again, probably popped the arm off of Darth Vader and buried <laughs> Luke in the dirt somewhere. And, and you know, I just yeah. never in my wildest dreams was I thinking, hey, I should take care of these toys or take care of these cards or take care of these comics. And so anyways, that's that's sort of where the, the whole collection thing starts is somebody out there thought to do it. And it's a fine line between 
are you a hoarder or are you actually collecting something that will be, you know, useful or valuable in the future? And I guess that's where you have to decide on what to keep and, and what to discard. Because I remember even my rookie year, you know, rookie year for most athletes is the big year when you sign all your Panini deals or your tops deals. And we would come home and just sign cards for hours. There are so many cards, like there's no rarity here. Like this is this is absolutely silly. Why would anyone even get these? And I still have boxes of my own cards at home. Now they're just for, for my kids to to look at one day. I guess I'm trying to decide whether to be a hoarder or if it's worth holding on to in the future of my own cards. But we'll see. I don't know. We'll get there. For now, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the headlines making a splash in the little section we call whale watching. I think this pertains to you a little bit too uh, in the in the trading card space. All right. Tom Brady rookie card just sold on eBay for $2.3 million. $2.3 million, the third most expensive football card ever. This was, this was in February, the highest trading card sale in eBay's history. It was an autographed 2000 Contenders rookie championship ticket. It's the third most expensive football card ever behind a Mahomes rookie card that sold for $4.3 million. These cards just getting higher and higher and higher due to a better graded version. What's the most money that you have ever spent on a trading card? Are there any rookies out there today that you think have serious potential to become some of those those whale cards in the future? The one thing that's really kind of interesting about sports trading cards today is you're seeing sort of a, a speculation process. And so, you know, you're watching the draft and, and those guys, everyone is assuming they're probably going to be awesome. But they're, every year in every sport, there seems to be somebody who was just not on the radar. Right now, what the Warriors and the Celtics are playing, for instance, I'm a big Warrior fan. Jordan Poole is like coming out of nowhere. Gary Payton, too, had an amazing year. And he's got an amazing story about just even getting into the NBA and fighting his way up there. And then he turns out to be, you know, a super critical sixth or seventh man on the team. Again, sixth or seventh man, you know, I don't know if those cards are ever going to like skyrocket in value. But it's pretty cool to like pay attention to your sports, the sports that you love. And adding this other component of almost speculation. Right. Who's the guy that no one sees coming? And can you get in on that early? Can you be one of the early adopters of those cards? So we have a lot of people that are picking up, you know, not the stars right now, but the people that we think are going to be stars. Then you've got guys who are just, you know, you can see them from space. They're they're obvious. Like you brought up Mahomes earlier, you know, John Morant. Some of these guys come into the league and just instantly make this massive splash and they're great to jump on too because you know the sky's the limit sometimes you think but regardless even if you're just not thinking about flipping them and you're just thinking from a collector's perspective like you said you know I just want my kids to take a look at this in a couple of years yeah you know a Mahomes card right now will be super interesting in 15 years because you might be able to brag that you've got the new goat right or he does something crazy in a super bowl and that's a shared moment that you might have with your son or daughter sitting on the couch watching something crazy happen and you've got that sort of moment in time frozen on a trading card. So that's a fun part about the whole speculation. Yeah, as far as myself, I haven't jumped off the cliff and bought anything too big. And uh, I also don't tell my wife what I spend. So I'm somewhere in between the two. From a spending perspective, I'm kind of in between the two uh, areas. That's a broad range. It's a velocity (laughs) game for me. I like it. Well, we're going to talk a lot of trading cards today and in your story 
But first, I kind of want to talk about eBay as a whole, because internet has seen a lot of fads and trends come and go, but eBay has been a staple. I mean, they've been around for 25 plus years and they've remained on top. They've weathered the storms, the dot-com bubble, and are are still thriving. Why or how have they been so successful in, in the game of longevity? I mean, particularly when it comes to you know trading cards and collectibles. So I, I've been an eBay member for 22 years. So I feel like somewhat of an OG kind of guy when it comes to eBay. The reason back then was I could get connected with things that I couldn't get connected with normally. Yeah. You know, 22 years ago, I was living in a small town in Central Valley of California. You know, it had like a comic book store. It had maybe a sports trading card store. It had a record store. It had a skateboard store. Like the things that I was interested in buying had limited selections, right? They had whatever they happened to have that one given month. And eBay just opened up my eyes towards inventory from now an international marketplace, right? So if you couldn't find it at your local store, you could find it on eBay. And the you know the cool thing was uh, from a collectible perspective, that's really where they leaned in first because we were connecting people with, you know, you take something like comics, which was all, you know, people were collecting it 20 years ago. People were collecting sports trading cards 20 years ago. There was a huge collectible fan base already, but you might be into, you know, unique European instruments or some kind of niche sort of collectible thing that you're super passionate about, but you could find it on eBay. And so it didn't matter. Like if you were looking for vintage advertisements or whatever it was, like you could find it. And that stuff was nearly impossible. You know, if you think about pre-internet days, you might go to a convention or you might go to the flea market, but again, you were totally limited by whatever somebody might have at the place that you happen to go to. eBay just opened that up. eBay just like opened the aperture, and now suddenly, you know, going back to the niche thing, if I if I collect Eastern European vintage instruments, and I'm the one guy on the West Coast that does it, well, now the one guy on the East Coast who does it, you and I, he and I can like share our inventory together and build our collections. And then when you when you move away from the niche things and start thinking about what that meant from a trading card perspective, it was massive. And, you know, you also, you know, like if you're on the West Coast, you might be a Phillies fan or you might be a Jets fan or whatever it is. And there's stuff that you really can't get on the West Coast. True. Yeah. Sports memorabilia, ticket stubs, whatever it is that you want to collect. And so that's the biggest thing that eBay did over over its 25 plus years is get inventory broadly available to anybody who wants it. Yeah, it was incredible just creating the marketplace and connecting people. But but let's take trading cards, like you mentioned. I mean, because the recent boom in the trading card industry has brought a lot of new investors into the space, new collectors. From your perspective, what is eBay seeing today in terms of the trading cards market? Yeah, so trading cards has been on a growth trajectory for at least seven plus years. And quite frankly, I, I haven't had a chance to, it's, we've been so busy with trading cards, I haven't been able to go back further and see when did this all start. Yeah. But I'm sure it's one of the originals, right, in terms of being important on eBay. But again, it's there's been a trajectory that was has been super strong for over seven years. The end of 2020 and, and the first part of 2021 definitely did something extraordinary for the entire collectible market. But for sports trading cards, it really, really put some fuel into the fire, right? Yeah. But the aggregate, you know, the aggregate trend has been tremendous for over seven years. The stat that always blows my mind the most was we were selling two cards a second. Now, it might have been 
two $20 cards or it might have been a $2 million card and a $50 card, whatever, but two cards per second. So you just imagine the velocity that was happening at that time. We all speculate about what it was, you know, people being home, maybe going through their collections and finding some things. We weren't spending money on the things that we normally used to spend money on, travel, entertainment. There was no concerts, couldn't go to the games, you know, so some people had some extra cash and they started to chase the hobby was already strong and they, they really invested in it. But again, like what we're most concerned about is, is when you pull back and look at it over time. And we, we were really, really confident in uh, the overall health of the business right now. And so what's eBay's role in, in that space today? I mean, wh- why is eBay the place to go if you want to buy trading cards? I mean, you mentioned the, the connectivity and you're, you know, you could find nearly exactly what you want, but how is eBay continuing to invest in that trading card community? It all starts with inventory, right? We have more inventory than anybody else. And that's across, that's a very democratic approach. There's, there's high end things that have over seven figures in value all the way down to, again, $5 cards that maybe people are going to just use to finish off their collection. In trading cards, just really quick, you know, we have three major components of it, sports trading cards, which we're predominantly talking about, but there's also collectible card games, follows the exact same trend. There's high value cards. There's cards that people just want to complete their collections. There's cards that people aren't going to take good care of because they want to play with them. But in sports trading cards, it's all about, and collectible card games, it's all about that inventory, that broad inventory. But then we're also adding tools and capabilities that I think are really important for the health of the business. You know, going back... Almost over a year now, we added, as an example, we added a low-cost shipping tool called uh, eBay Standard Envelope. And what this allowed people to do is to ship those $20 under cards with tracking and just remove some of the threat that you have or the concern that you might have of set, uh, sending something with a stamp. You know, it, it leaves your house with a stamp. You never know if it got there. Now we added a little bit of tracking to it. Then later in that year, we added an image scan tool. And the image scan tool was predominantly for the CCG side, the collectible card game side, but it allowed you to scan a card and then create a listing really fast. So we got the listing times down to under a minute. We want to add that in sports trading cards. We want to make it super easy for people to put their cards out on a table, price them, and scan them and list them if you want to do that. That's down the road, but we've got the technology built. It's just a matter of building all the data behind the scenes to make that that much easier for people. That's huge. Well, well, yeah, because that's limiting friction between you know, a, a point of sale as opposed to having to go down to a brick and mortar store and barter with you know, an employee there or not even knowing what the market rate is for your collection or your cards. It's instantaneous, it seems like, for, for someone just to upload their what they want to sell, right? Their cards, their collection, and they have an, an instant marketplace. Are brick and mortar, like card stores, are they even a, a thing anymore? Two, I just want to say, you just said something that is super important to me at eBay. You talked about removing friction and that's what eBay's trying to do. We're trying to find the places within the flow of the hobby right now that are a little clunky. And anywhere that we can find those things, we want to we want to add them. And so if you ever go to a card show, for instance, you'll see guys are shopping and they all have their phones out and they're all checking the comps on eBay. Like they're just scrolling through and it's not an easy process, right? Like yeah. you search for your Mahomes card and then you want to go look at an Emmett Smith card. You got to do a reason. You have to do a different search. It takes a while. So like that's an example of friction that we should be able to remove from the process. We have tremendous amounts of data and pricing guidance. And that's where we can really step up and make things a little bit easier for people. 
again, removing friction and just the hunt and the price, the price searching. The other thing you said, which is super interesting, is the the brick and mortar. And brick and mortar is still hypercritical for this hobby. And we've worked hard. Most a lot of our sellers have brick and mortar stores. And we've worked very hard to get them to a place where they understand that all we're doing is expanding the amount of people that can shop out of their store. And, you know, we've got over 142 million active users on eBay. So that's a lot of eyeballs to add. The way that I think about it is if I had a brick and mortar store, I'm going to be somewhat limited to, you know, the radius of a bike ride in terms of who's going to actually visit my store physically. But when I'm on eBay, now I've got an international audience. What's super important about brick and mortar is it provides a social connection. It provides a place for people to go and talk about the hobby. We need the brick and mortar to survive. We need it to be big. We need it to be a part of the business. So we see it as an important role for eBay to help those guys stay in business and help just be a part of their business model. Goes hand in hand. Yeah. We, we talked about that record-breaking Tom Brady card, but I'm, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm thinking about you know walking into a store and dropping down millions of dollars for a card. That just doesn't happen. I feel like that could only happen in a, in a marketplace like eBay. Are, are there any other record sales for cards on the platform that have made headlines? There's some cool ones. The big ones are always fascinating, right? A, Tom, a big Tom Brady or a Mahomes or, or you know, Steph Curry or LeBron, anything like that. I also get really interested in some of the more historical pieces. So we had a George Merkin sell, for instance, important person in the history of sports, right? And I'm trying to remember exactly the price. I think it went for about $800,000, which is an astonishing sum of cash regardless, right? Like, yeah. But it's also really cool to see people start looking for cards that maybe don't have – what's the right way of putting it? We sold a, uh, a Jim Brown rookie. You're a football guy. The NFL doesn't exist without Jim Brown, right? Like he he changed the game and, and – No question. He's important historically and he was awesome in his time and I bet if he was – 22 today, he'd still be nearly untackable. But, you know, when when like a, a Jim Brown rookie card sells, I don't remember the exact price, but it was well over six figures. But it was a super, you know, again, now you're getting into a really old card that somebody took amazing care of. It got a, a great grade. Right. That's a rare, rare piece of history as well as a trading card, right? That's a museum piece almost. So I always get really interested when some of these more fringier that's the wrong word too. No, it's it's those those rare pieces of history, those moments that are kind of captured within a certain card or a certain yeah collectible. Those those are unique rather than just the societal hype around something that gives it value. I I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, there's a second value to it. I think that's the right way of thinking about it. It's yeah, it's just fascinating when there's there's history attached to it. The other example that we sold recently, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I apologize, but it was such a cool card, but it was like a Jesse Owens rookie card. You know, this is basically just a piece of cardboard with a picture of Jesse Owens, but it was an official trading card. There's a guy who just means so much to sports history. Right. And uh, again, probably not a lot of those left in the world. On a much smaller scale, we've seen some amazing Serena Williams cards go for, you know, tens of thousands. That's cool to see a woman start to show up in the sports trading card business as, and she's the best, right? She, she, this is, is totally well-deserved, Yeah. but people are jumping on those kind of things. We're seeing a lot of movement in soccer. You know, we're seeing a lot of movement in golf. We're seeing F1 
We're seeing MMA. We're seeing all the other sports also develop their sort of base foundation for what people are looking for there. It's still the common thing, right? Like if you're going to get a golf cart, who's the biggest golfer in the world? It's Tiger. Tiger Woods, right? yeah. But then, and then you start making your way down. And soccer, as an example, is now the fourth biggest trading card volume on eBay. And so I know people have been saying soccer is going to become important for the last 20 years, but you can see it now. It's it's now physically represents the fourth most popular sport in the U.S. And I'm super excited to see what happens with the World Cup, because if you like soccer at all, there's nothing better than the World Cup. And that's when you're going to get introduced to these players that you don't know. So are you are you, wait, are you saying that? Whatever is trending on on eBay collectibles or, or trading cards is an indicator of what's going to be trending in real life in the future. What sports or players are going to be popular? Yeah. So let me <laughs> let me give you the grim example. The grim example and the sad example is when Kobe passed away. Mm. That's a cultural moment, right? He was great, and when that cultural moment happens of him being in that accident. Interest in Kobe skyrocketed. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. When The Last Dance came on about Michael Jordan, interest in Jordan skyrocketed. So we we definitely see these short-term cultural moments where something happens. Back in the last football season, in the game with Josh Allen and Mahomes, where they just went kind of nuts for five minutes or something, we saw the next day, in real time, you see the cards start spiking and you see the velocity pick up and you see all of that happen. So we do think that what happens on eBay is uh, indicative of what's happening in the greater cultural norm. Yeah. And and I do think I'm probably irritating all the hockey fans out there right now, but it's kind of neck and neck. There's nothing quite like the thrill of owning something rare, something valuable, something everybody wants, but keeping it safe can be stressful. Now eBay is launching a new way to protect what you collect. From the original collectibles marketplace comes the eBay Vault, a 31,000 square foot state-of-the-art facility and digital marketplace. With millions of dollars worth of cards already on lock, the Vault doesn't just secure your most prized possessions, it empowers how you collect in the future. The eBay Vault. Buy. Sell. Secure. You know, the big three, baseball, football, basketball, are still strongly dominant yeah in terms of their sales to everything else but these all these other sports are picking up steam and their growth their acceleration rates are far greater than the big three so you're seeing soccer just grow exponentially you're seeing tennis mma all of those they're growing incredibly fast it's so interesting you get to see that that data i i also saw that you guys launched ebay vault recently and i was was kind of looking into it but can you explain that and and kind of what it means or how it will kind of shape or transform the collectible space? Yeah, we're super excited about the vault. Should be opening in the month of June. When we were talking about removing friction from the sell and buy experience, there's no greater piece of friction than that transportation of the item. The vault's ultimately going to enable two things. One, if you're a collector, and the way we think about collectors are people that are typically thinking about holding something for a long period of time. There's a lot of overlap between the collector and the investor, the collector's got some sort of price appreciation model in their head, or they're thinking about handing it down to their kids, and they're, but they're still thinking that it's going to have value, whatever. It's a long-term view. The vault will enable you to buy something off of eBay, move it into the vault, leave it there. For the investor, the investor could buy something, send it into the vault, or buy something and put it in the vault, 
and take physical ownership of that card without having to take physical ownership of the card, right? So the card is physically stored in a vault and you own the listing of it. You own the, it's your card. It's just stored elsewhere. And what that'll enable is for people to buy cards in real time, take ownership almost instantly and not have to worry about the card traveling to get to them. It's a holding site to, to secure the safety of the, of the product to where you can stay hands off and it's almost an investment piece to where when you do sell it, it, it changes hands or it doesn't even need to change hands, but the, that's right. the change ownership essentially without you having to touch it. That's right. I mean, it's a 31,000 square foot temperature controlled vault. Mm. And once something goes in there, unless you're the owner and you want to get it out, you can leave it in there for as long as you want, or you can just start selling on itself as frequently as you want it to as well. So if you right. you put that George Merkin in there for $800,000 and you you leave it in there, maybe you're not even trying to sell it, but you could leave it as a make offer. And if someone comes along and wants to give you an amazing price on it, they can do that. Or if you want to auction it or you want to sell it, you can do all those things at the vault. Then someone takes someone else takes possession of it. Now it's their choice. Leave it in there, pull it out, whatever they want to do. And so we hope to get to a place where these cards are transacting in, you know, relatively quickly, but the cards are staying there. That's the whole goal would be of that. Now, this obviously leads to some future state things that are super interesting to us, like fractionalization, tokenization, you know, all that. This is bringing up the NFT and tokenization arguments with ease. It seems like a natural transition. It does. I think, you know, there's a lot for us to figure out before we move to that, but we're all super interested in it. We just sold our first NFTs on eBay a week or so ago. They were all sports related with a company called One Of. We have some more coming out on 620, which are going to be based around Muhammad Ali and they're super cool. We're just sort of getting into this NFT space, but the vault is a natural place to engage in that NFT tokenization, fractionalization play. And again, you know, you get that $2.3 million Brady card in there. There's not a lot of people that can afford a $2.3 million Brady card, but there might be a lot of people that would like to have a piece of that card. Yeah. No doubt, or let alone handling a, a, a seven-figure card and making sure you, you keep it safe. The vault seems like a perfect place for that. Just just for all our listeners, can you, would you mind giving the GPS coordinates of where that vault is, is going to be located? Is that is that public information? <laughs> no. <laughs> they haven't even trusted me with that information. Oh, bummer. All right. Well, maybe maybe next time you're on the pod, we'll, we'll talk about that more. Okay. So you're not buying $7 million cards, but what about someone in, in today's day and age, wanting to get started in the collectible space, where would you start? How would you get, you know, going in, in collecting items? Yeah. So, uh, you know, just a couple of other pieces about the vault and then I'll come back to that because I think, oh, yeah. I think the vault's a great place to start a collection. There you go. The vault eventually will be $250 plus graded cards. That's where we're going to, we're going to get down to when it launches, it's going to be a little bit higher. Again, the point of having only graded cards in there for now is to, for us to get our feet wet in the process of holding inventory but the graded cards have also been authenticated. So we know that they've gone through an authenticator to get into the vault. We know that they're the real deal. We don't have any issues with counterfeits or fakes or anything like that. So there's a secure aspect. So somebody who's thinking about getting in- involved in the game, if they want to start with some high quality merchandise, you know, there's going to be $250 plus cards in the vault. And those are, uh, once you get to $250, you're dealing with a really nice card, you know, so that's a great way of starting. You're going to have the graded card. You're going to you're going to know exactly what you have. It's going to be in a secure location. Otherwise, one of the things that I also always recommend is, you know, collect in a way that is meaningful to you. So, again, I'm a San Francisco Giants guy, and uh once I got involved in this business, 
I went back to go try to get those cards that I had as a kid. Thankfully, the Giants were terrible when I was a kid. And so the cards are also kind of, it's a low investment to go after those outside of some Willie McCovey cards and, you know, some Will, Will Clark cards and some, uh, you know, maybe some Jeffrey Leonard's and things. It wasn't, it didn't set me back too far, but that was a fun process. The whole process of, you know, getting a checklist and making sure you're catching all of them and the hunt, you know, a lot of people who are involved with this, like really enjoy from a relaxation perspective, you know, just sitting on their phone, looking for the cards that that will complete their collection. And the irony about buying cheap cards or not cheap cards, less expensive cards is sometimes those guys that, you know, might've got 40 at bats over an entire season. That's the actual hardest card to find. You can find McCovey, no problem. You can find the stars. They're all over the place, but you're trying to find that guy who, you know, was in the league for two years, had, you know, one card made from as a giant. Sometimes that's the hard one to find, but the hunt is fun. And so, and that means something to me. And when these cards come in, they always bring back sort of a, a rush of memory. You know, the minute I pull it out of the envelope, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that card. I destroyed it, but I remember it. And now I've got it again. So that's a lot of fun. And then for me, as I got into that, then I started doing the exact same thing with, I grew up on the Niners. So then I started hunting Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. Now you're getting into Hall of Famers who are a little bit more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so I got my feet wet kind of, hunting cheaper giant cards. And then I started to, you know, kind of earn my stripes buying some more expensive 49er cards. And, and then, you know, so for me, it's just been a fun kind of evolving process of getting more and more comfortable. So what I would recommend people do invest initially in either players that you love teams that you love or a moment in time that means something to you. And then beyond that, I think there is that interesting component of cultural relevancy. So if somebody does something extraordinary, historic, those cards will always have some value because no doubt, the, yeah, the guy did something special or the gal did something special. Nostalgia is a strong drug. I mean, I can I'd remember you know opening a fresh pack of cards, which you can still do today, but hearkening those memories of opening a card of a player you loved or finding that one on eBay of like, oh, I remember where I was when this happened, whether that's a collectible or a card. That is a good place to start because that gives you some passion for, you know, collecting the the other aspects of the collection. It's a good place to start. I like that. All right. To to kind of wrap things up here, to kind of close this down, I'm going to ask you to look into a little crystal ball if you can. Where do you see the, the trading card industry going and, and kind of eBay's place on it and uh, any goals that you have in your role there? We're going to keep trying to make it easier and easier. We want to get to a place where people can trade. We want to get to a place where people can live stream. We've got live streaming on our roadmap, and I think that'll make it really, really interesting and bring a new energy into the collecting game. Now you can share those experiences. I think that's the the way we intend to see live streaming is to allow our sellers to actually talk about the merchandise that they have because that provenance is so important, knowing where something came from. Or, you know, educating somebody on why a particular card is important or what where it exists in the sort of history of trading cards. Or kind of like that brick and mortar conversation, allowing people just to share their opinions and their feelings. And I can see a world where you're live streaming and you're talking about your favorite team, the Chiefs. And there goes the eternal debate that will fire up, you know, like who's the best Chiefs player or whatever. And you're doing that live while you're sharing all those cards and Someone, you know, someone, I'm just making this up. Someone might go, oh my God, you, have a, you know who I loved? I loved Christian Okoye. 
do you got any Christian Okoye cards? And and as the seller, you're like, of course I do. But that's the kind of interaction that is very different from the marketplace is the way it exists today. We want to get to a place where the price guidance that we can deliver, the data that we can deliver is really, really easy to get to. And it's really simple. If you've, if you've looked at trading cards, especially as a novice, somebody coming into it, it can be really overwhelming. You could say, I want to get a Luka Doncic card. And you go look at the latest release and there's 30 versions of the exact same card. But one's a gold prism halo and one's a, you know, red marble, whatever. And, and you know, it just it can be a little bit overwhelming. So we want to get to a place where we can help people really quickly, like look at their phone, do a quick price search, figure out what they're comfortable spending. And, you know, maybe they go, you know, I, I wouldn't mind having like a $30 card and they can look and, and see this guy's selling what should be a $40 card for I'm going to jump right on this one because I might be able to get it cheap. So we want to make that we want to make that shopping experience fun and engaging and easy. Love that. Well, eBay has always had a special place in the marketplace. And I think moving forward, there there still will be. Before we get to our, our kind of game segment, uh, which we always do at the end, test your knowledge a little bit on the space. I just want to thank you because eBay has been a consistent source of my resources and my my questions that I ask in these games. So one thing that I, I love about eBay is you can find nearly anything on there, like you've touched on. Uh, unmatched inventory, as well as like those rare finds. I mean, we've had some f- crazy NFTs and, and other content on there. I love it. Absolutely love it. Hardest, hardest to find products are there. But for this game today, I've come up with five questions. All right. Each one features a description of two items on eBay right now with different price tags though. Okay. So you'll see what I mean in a second, but I'm going to give you two items and you have to tell me which one has a higher buy it now price. Okay. Confident? No. No. <laughs> You're going to do great. Just, you got to get at least three, then we'll be up above 500 and we'll, and we'll be rolling. Okay. But number one, Okay. Like I said, you can get almost anything on eBay. And we've talked about a lot about trading cards today, so let's get right into it. Item number one is a bag of 125 giant organic strawberry seeds. You can grow a lot of strawberries with all those seeds, okay? The other item is a 1984 Fleer number 599 Daryl Strawberry New York Mets rookie card. So... Which one is worth more, the actual strawberries or the rookie card of Daryl Strawberry, baseball legend? The Daryl card is raw, not graded. The Daryl card is a nine, an '84 Fleer. Yes, correct. Okay, raw. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the odds that you're trying to fool me. I'm gonna go with the giant organic strawberries. Correct. Eight dollars for a bag of seeds for to grow some strawberries. Unfortunately, the Daryl Strawberry rookie card is only $7.99. He missed out by one cent to actual strawberry seeds. I love the correlation of that one. Okay, number two. You're one for one. We're on a roll. Next up, we have uh, a super cool black light activated Marvel's Wolverine Funko Pop. All right? It's, it's a pretty rare Funko Pop that was originally released exclusively to Target stores. But is it worth more than the Michigan Wolverine's straw golf hat all right random but there's a correlation i'm gonna go with the funko the funko is more expensive one dollar more 35 bucks 34.95 dollars the funko out edges the wolverine's hat the funko is a thing right now they're hot they are red hot speaking of nostalgia this one's gonna bring back some memories okay 
It, the first item is a rare Beanie Babies mini penguin. Okay, they're still on eBay, folks. If you have your collection, go find them. They're on eBay. Okay, so a, a Beanie Babies mini penguin. It's, it's a small stuffed animal. People are nuts, okay? And the other item is an official Pittsburgh Penguins dog jersey. Are right, you going to put this on your pet? A must-have for every dog lover in Pittsburgh. And uh, a, literally a shirt you can stuff your small animal into on game day. So, which one's worth more? Beanie Baby or the jersey? So, I'm just going to add really quick. The Beanie Babies was probably the first major collectible explosion on eBay. That was... We were right there in the middle of the, the Beanie Baby madness that happened 25 years ago. That was wild. And you're right. Beanie Babies are still selling. It's I think it's the third... I think it's like the third most popular brand of dolls on eBay. So they're still, people are still buying and selling and trading those things. And if you were knee deep in it back in the day, you're, you're still knee deep in it now. So anyhow, I am going to go with the, I'm actually going to go with the dog Jersey. No, you just hyped up Beanie Babies and then deserted them. The actual Beanie Baby is worth more than a Pittsburgh Penguins dog Jersey. Uh, Beanie Baby was 15 bucks, and a dog jersey is only 5 Beanie Baby's for the win. There you go. All right, two out of three. We're still on a roll. Okay, number four. Rare coins are big on eBay. So, so next up, we have a 1937 U.S. Buffalo nickel. All right, I, I drive by the Buffalo plant up here uh, with the Bills. Very proud they make the Buffalo nickels here, and it's very fine or better condition. That's the classification. And if you decide to carry enough of these around in your pockets, you're probably going to need our second item, a handmade buffalo leather belt. That's right, a belt that just keeps your pants up, made of actual buffalo leather. So, which is more, the buffalo nickel or a buffalo leather belt? I don't know my coins at all, but I'm going to go with the buffalo nickel. It is, in fact, the leather belt. A buffalo leather belt is 28 bucks. Ah. A buffalo nickel which has a five cent value is $8. So $8 nickel, $28 belt for a little Buffalo themed question there. All right, we're two and two. Number five, this is it. This one's a little tough. Battle of East meets West, okay? West Coast guys, we got to hold it down. In one corner, we have a sealed original mint condition vinyl copy of the Beatles 1967 Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club band album, okay? And in the other corner, we have a used but in excellent condition vinyl copy of the K-pop pioneer Lee Sue Man's 1989 album titled New Age 2. Okay, Beatles or K-pop, which is worth more? Beatles. You are correct. You are correct. It is the Beatles. It's six figures we're seeing some crazy things happening in vinyl right now too. It's it's that's another place where again those things have historical relevancy and anyways, okay, what was the price? Sorry. $220,000. Wow. For that Sgt. Pepperoni album. That's nuts. I mean, the the Lee Su Man's New Age 2 was still $235. 235,000. Nope. Wait. I said it backwards. Oh no. It wasn't the Beatles. No. I was so hyped. I saw wow. I that, I was looking kinda, at the price thinking there's no way it could be more than that. And K-pop won. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Raise me up and then pull me back down. Appreciate that. What an ending. That stung me, too. <laughs> Gotta leave it in. Oh, my goodness. I think we should leave it in because that was all time. Oh, my goodness. Well, 
Besides, I, I don't. I need to brush up on my record skills and, and knowledge. But you enlightened me today on on trading cards and collectibles and and all that eBay's doing, Bob. <laughs> thanks so much uh, for for joining me today, man. That was fantastic. Appreciate you. Yeah, no, appreciate you giving me some time. Thank you so much to Bob Means for joining me today to talk about eBay, collectibles, trading cards. That was fantastic. If you guys enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and leave a review or subscribe if you haven't already so that you never miss an episode. Thanks everyone for watching. I'm Matt Barkley and this has been Making Bread. Say hello to the future of collecting. From eBay, the original collectibles marketplace comes the eBay Vault a new home for the hobby. We protect your trading card collection so you don't have to. The eBay Vault. Buy, sell, secure.